Chechnya is the main story of Nova Gazeta. It's a story on which Nova Gazeta is built. And I was not the first one who was started this story. The Muratov and uh, people who created Nova Gazeta started it when the Chechen War, the first Chechen War actually started in Russia. Muratov himself, he is so, he is afraid because he, he, he lived through so many deaths of, of his colleagues, his journalists, so he just hates the thought that that might happen to another one journalist of Nova Gazeta. But he is totally supportive. Without this tradition, I wouldn't be able to do what I do now in Chechnya. And without this newspaper, I mean, only because I have this place and I'm completely safe. Any threat, uh, Muratov steps ahead and protect. Welcome to this Nupi podcast. My name is Yulia Willemsen, and I will be speaking to Yelena Milashina, an investigative journalist with the Russian newspaper Novaya Gazeta. Novaya Gazeta is one of the few remaining independent media outlets in Russia, still providing critical and fact-oriented information within an ever-shrinking media space in Russia. The newspaper's editor, Dmitry Muratov, has been awarded the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize. Yelena herself has been awarded several prizes for her courageous work as a journalist and is particularly well known for her investigative articles on human rights abuses in Chechnya. Chechnya is a small republic in the North Caucasus region of the Russian Federation. This republic has sought independence and has been subjected to all-out war two times since the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991. The Russo-Chechen wars in the 1990s and early 2000s have shaped developments in the North Caucasus in a fundamental way. This region has seen the most severe human rights abuses in Russia, and it has also been the least accessible for independent media. When the second war in Chechnya, officially called an anti-terrorist campaign, was launched in 1999, Vladimir Putin stated that the enemy must not be given a face. This was the starting point for severe restrictions on media coverage of what became a very brutal war. Nova Gazeta's journalist Anna Politkovskaya was one of the few people who dared to travel to Chechnya and report on the abuses committed both by Russian and Chechen forces. After the end of the military campaign, power has passed over to Moscow's two middlemen, Ahmad and then Ramsan Kadyrov. They have ruled Chechnya with an iron fist since then. Today, the republic has transitioned into a closed state, characterized by human rights violations, cultivation of Kadyrov and his closest network, a strong conservative religious ideology which does not give room for any alternative interpretations of Islam, and a corrupted government. In this climate of fear, it has become increasingly difficult, almost impossible, to gain access to the Republic to collect objective information. 
This also means that such information does not reach the, the regional population nor the national or international audience. Independent journalists and human rights activists are persecuted, exiled and directly threatened by the regime. Only the bravest journalists still venture into Chechnya to report and give the alleged enemies a face. Yelena Milashina is one of them. She has uncovered ongoing and grave human rights violations in the Republic and strives to give the world a truthful account of today's Chechnya. She has been threatened numerous times and even subjected to physical attacks for her work. In this podcast, we discuss with Yelena Milashina what it takes to cover regions of conflict and heavy human rights abuses. She will give us an updated picture of the situation in the Chechen Republic and tell us why her work is important for the future. So first, Yelena, could you tell us what are the conditions for independent journalists in Chechnya today? I can answer you very shortly, none. <laughs> the last independent journalism in my uh, memory that was practiced in Chechnya was connected to Natasha uh, Estimirova when she worked both as human rights defender, uh, working for the memorial group, and as a journalist, continued the work that Anna Paretkovska did together with her during the military conflicts we had in Chechnya. And I missed those conflicts. I had never been on the war in Chechnya. I started to work in Chechnya after the war actually was finished. And Natasha was a big helper for me and for a lot of journalists uh, because during the war, uh, Chechnya was a place where a lot of journalists from all over the world were coming and coming and coming. And it was, uh, no, no matter that the war was going, uh, it was a place where freedom of speech was existed. And uh, uh, is it's this strange. are you talking during the first Chechen both, war in the both, early 1990s? Both, you would both, say both. Both, wars. both okay. wars were covered uh, a lot by journalists. Journalists were uh, traveling to Chechnya constantly, and like I said, it's strange. It sounds strange, but uh, during the war there was a freedom of speech in Chechnya, but it ended up with the murder of Natasha Estimirova. She was. Uh, on the 15th of July, 2009, the day after I left her apartment. I was living always when I uh, came to Chechnya back then. I was living at her place, at her house with her daughter, Lana, and her cat. <laughs> uh, and the day after we uh, left her apartment, she was kidnapped in the morning and uh, shot that uh, in few hours after her kidnapping. And I think this was the point when the independent journalism ended in Chechnya and freedom of speech ended in Chechnya. The other case I also can remember is the Jalaudigiriev case. It's the only case when they prosecuted the journalists uh, who were working with Caucasian Note. Uh, it's a media outlet in internet that covers Chechnya. Um, in uh, Caucasus regions, uh, uh, he was uh, brought to false charges in uh, having narcotics, put in prison, and uh, 
that was the only case I can remember in Chechnya against a journalist where it ended up, uh, the journalist ended up in prison, not was killed. But that was the last uh, moments of uh, Chechen journalism, independent Chechen journalism that was produced by Chechens themselves. Although they had a very great tradition uh, of uh, freedom of speech in Chechnya, but now it's all gone. And um, independent journalism uh, in Chechnya now can be produced only by journalists who come to this region, not living, not Chechens themselves, but come to this region. And th those Chechens who stay abroad, who had to immigrate and live in Europe, they also... Uh, uh, can work as a journalist covering the region, but not having any ability to enter the Chechnya themselves. And uh, it uh, looks like it sounds really sad, but at the same time, uh, Chechnya is the part of the world. Uh, it has internet, and uh, a lot of Chechens still uh, trying to speak uh, anonymously because they can name themselves uh, and internet is a very great helper in this uh, forms of uh, spreading the information so we on the, 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 the authorities, the Chechen authorities first of all and the Russian authorities also uh, when they closed all the possibilities for professional and uh, traditional I would say journalism in Chechnya produced by the journalists in Chechnya and journalists who come uh, to Chechnya to do the job they opened those uh, abilities possibilities that internet gives so a lot of Chechens have uh, became bloggers and they're spreading now information on human rights violations, on what's going on, and they're criticizing the Chechen authorities, criticizing severely. They're trying to investigate uh, uh, the corruption, the cases of corruption in Chechnya. They do it not in professional uh, way, uh, because uh, the civil journalism and professional journalism very much differs from each other because, well, the rules that we follow, the bloggers do not follow. But still, it's the sources of freedom of speech. And uh, we have several of them, and they play a role and uh, sometimes even change a situation and save Chechen's lives. Mm. What about you? Can you uh, still travel to Chechnya? And if you cannot, what are your most reliable sources to find out what's going on? <laughs> well, my story begins, uh, um, my story and uh, Chechnya, uh, me and Chechnya, this story begins, uh, take, take a start uh, in 2006 when uh, my colleague Anna Politkovska was killed. And... Uh, um, she was killed for her work in Chechnya, for not only for her work, but she was a very powerful person, not as a journalist, not as a human rights defender, but as a um, public figure that was well known in the world and uh, was in this uh, sense very powerful. 
um, by criticizing, first of all, Russian authorities and then Chechen authorities for human rights violations um, that w- took place during the wars in Chechnya. So when she was killed, I started to work in Chechnya. Natasha Stimirova helped me a lot back then. I was relying on several uh, human rights NGOs uh, that were working in Chechnya, uh, Committee Against Torture, Memorial, um, others. There were still a lot of uh, organizations that were traveling to Chechnya, Human Rights Watch, uh, uh, um, and others. And uh, they became a big... They, they they helped me a lot to 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 start my work there, but right now there is no any human rights organization that can allow uh, themselves have an office in Chechnya. Uh, they all named as an enemy of Chechen uh, authorities and uh, Chechen people, uh, and actually only few lawyers left who are traveling to Chechnya and uh, represent the um, people in Chechnya who were accused in the false um, criminal uh, accusations. And uh, Nova Gazeta is a prominent uh, uh, media outlet who was covering Chechnya for many, many years. And in from this point, we have a huge trust of Chechen people who stopped talking to journalists and stopped talking openly and criticized the uh, local authorities and corruption and case of human rights violations. Uh, those people, why it's so hard to, to, to work in Chechnya where there is no war anymore, there is no signs of terrorism, uh, there is a peace, uh, like uh, Ramzan Kadyrov, the head of Chechnya, says it's the most peaceful region in Russia and in the world, but people are so much afraid even to, to think, not even to talk, but just to think, uh, and uh, they they live on a constant fear of being kidnapped, tortured, uh, killed. Uh, and uh, in this situation, why it's so hard to work there? Because they won't talk to journalists anymore. And we probably one of few media that have this trust that we never uh, the 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 safeness of our sources is the main thing for us and we can put away the story if it's dangerous for our sources and in this situation people know this and they trust us and that's why i have a big network of sources uh the biggest probably in, in from other russian outlets that's why i can uh, publish a lot of sensitive stories, but uh, what I'm very proud of that for my work, uh, and I worked since 2006-2007 in Chechnya, none of my sources was uh, under attack mm-hmm. and discovered. And I think it's uh, what the journalists can be proud of, mm-hmm. really. Because Absolutely. And I wanted to ask you, you, you kind of touched upon it already, but what would you say is your philosophy as a, as a journalist when you approach such, an, such a region? What are the, 
both what are the core rules in your work and what is in a what is your philosophy what is your uh, how do you see your own work in contributing to the situation when in you know when way. when I started to work in Chechnya I was moved mainly by the thought that uh, I have taken in some way a revenge on those who ordered um killing of my dear friends Natasha, Anya, my colleagues and I have to continue th- their work just this this was uh, in my mind a revenge so you killed them because of what they did but I continue so that's was like a punishment revenge but then I uh began to understand that those people whom I consider as an enemy, personal enemy of myself because they harmed my friends and colleagues, uh, it's not about them. It's not about Ramzan Kadyrov or his surrounding. It's about the model that Russian government implemented in Chechnya, punishing the whole people of Chechnya for the attempt of uh, 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 get away from Russia as a territory for separatism. And uh, no matter Ramzan Kadyrov or someone else, uh, the situation would be the same when the people actually live about, uh, uh, they, they live without any rights. The constitution of Russia doesn't work there at all. The Russian law doesn't work there at all. All the powers and all the uh, power and all uh, the, the rights belongs to people, policemen. We call them policemen, but actually it's people who has weapon and who, have, who has right to do whatever they want to do with anyone in Chechnya without being punished ever. And this was the model that was created by uh, Putin and the uh, Russian Federal Center. And that in their f- philosophy, it was the only model that put Chechnya together with Russia, which is not. Uh, it holds Chechnya to, with, uh, within the Russian borders. It makes it formally a Russian region. But in, in reality, it divides even more than a war because we hate Chechen people. Chechen people hate Russian people. We never discussed, it's publicly forbidden to discuss the results of the two Chechen wars. We never ask for uh, forbid- forbiddenness, uh, for the, the crimes that we as a federal um, censor created in Chechnya. Uh, Chechen people never uh, ask uh, uh, to forgive themselves for uh, the the kidnappings and killings of Russian soldiers and Russian citizens, and uh, so for the crimes that were committed by both sides. We never talk about it, and uh, this is very um, this wound is still very sharp, and it's divide us. So. My work, as I understood it and understanding it now, is just create a bridge between Chechen and Russians, the bridge that actually unites us, not the model that uh, make people be Russian citizens uh, because uh, 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 otherwise they will be killed, 
But uh, uh, say the Chechens, the same citizens as Russian, they have the same rights. And in my all my articles, I am saying that all those rights should be protected because they were violated and they should be protected by the Russian government, Russian courts, uh, uh, because this how the, the the dialogue creates. And so when uh, it will come to the end of Putin's uh, era, we will have, again, this problem with Caucasus and Chechnya, and that, that the uh, Russian empire that actually we treated Chechnya and other regions as a colony. Uh, and what I do is, when we come to this moment, we need people and we need some arguments to talk to each other, not to fight. And I am trying to, to, to build this bridge and to, to have these connections so they won't gone at all. Hmm. So, so what you're describing is, in a way, your work as a peace effort. Yeah. Uh, I would think that an accusation which you get uh, sometimes is that uh, you know, digging up <laughs> the bad stories of everything that's going on, um, the gross abuses and so forth, that, that it is, it's the opposite of peace building because it, it creates uh, uh, conflict and a lot of uh, maybe hate and, and an urge for revenge. But what would your answer be to that? To what extent do we need to know? <laughs> it's, it's it's a main purpose of journalism to write about bad things. Otherwise, it's not a journalism. It's a uh, PR or propaganda or whatever. It's not a journalism. We always have to write about the painful moments of Russia of of society to bring and bring them to the light. Uh, and nobody but we can do this. Uh, how people would know about this because they they they. they the thing is that most crimes I'm writing about, they're produced by state agents, by the state itself. Uh, the state uh, whose purpose is to protect citizens, not to kill them. Uh, but when the state actually do the opposite, who else can bring it to the light? Uh, and the, uh, only publicity can save save Chechens, the lives concrete of concrete people, and can change the situation. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, this uh, situation with the gay uh, um, persecution in Chechnya. Yes, what uh, was it about? Can you tell us? Yes, uh, uh, in, 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 in 2017, uh, at the end of February and March, uh, the huge campaign uh, launch, was launched by Chechen authorities against the uh, men in Chechnya who were considered as a gay or suspicious uh, in their own sexual orientation. They were put in the um, secret prisons in Chechnya, which exists f and were created by Russian federal troops since the w Chechen wars and still are exist in enormous uh, uh, numbers of number of them exist in Chechnya, where a lot of Chechens actually, even now we are talking right now, they, they sit there for 
anything like uh, drug using or driving in a alcoholical uh, condition or criticizing Kadyrov or um, being a Salafi or um, doing something wrong that Kadyrov thinks uh, and his surrounding things wrong uh, that is wrong and uh, um, so just. They, 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 the gays were brought to the Chechen gays or Chechen men who were suspected that they're gays were brought to those secret camps. Uh, they were tortured severely, even badly than any other category uh, of people that were um, staying in those secret prisons. Uh, and they were killed. And the thing is that uh, they were killed not only by state agents. They were killed uh, by their relatives that were forced to kill their close ones because of the Chechen moral standards. Traditional society uh, means that uh, the gay is a kind of a dishonor uh, to have a relative a gay is a dishonor for the whole family so you have to watch the dishonor by killing him uh, and this made uh, tremendously hard to uh, prove this situation because in all other cases where the people in Chechnya were kidnapped and put in those prisons and tortured and then uh, released or uh, accused with false uh, accusation in criminal activity. Um, the relatives were on our side. They were the sources. And here the relatives were on the side of the killers because they were, they became killers themselves. And they didn't want to confirm or to talk even uh, about this. Uh, so it was just it probably only my newspaper could launch this story, could publish this story and could investigate this story from the beginning uh, because we were working in Chechnya all those years and had a big um, base of sources uh, and we managed to confirm the situation. Then we managed to uh, get access to the victims. We, together with the LGBT network, Russian LGBT network, uh, managed to evacuate them uh, from Chechnya and convince them to talk, not publicly, not name their names and open their face, but to talk at least to Russian authorities. And uh, 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 Russian ombudsman Tatiana Moskalikova met those people, and after that she told Putin that it's all the true, and Putin then told it to my editor-in-chief that it's uh, uh, the situation was existed and he knew about it but like he said well you know it's their traditions to kill people for dishonor behavior what you can do <laughs> but do you feel that and the exposure of that case has it made a difference yes afterwards for we, the situation in Chechnya? well first of all we saved a lot of uh uh lives and those guys who are all around the world right now they're living in a well they're living in a normal safe life and they're writing to me and always thank for me and call me sometimes mom <laughs> that's just like i gave them a second verse <laughs> uh yeah so first of all we save concrete people and they're just uh it's big already but we managed to stop the campaign 
it, uh, the, the, the people who were kidnapped and were holding in this secret prison, they were released back then. And now uh, it's not possible, well, I hope it's not possible to start the campaign like this in Chechnya again, because in some way the response from all over the world that we got uh, on, uh, uh, on the situation uh, hit Chechen authorities and Russian authorities very painful way. So they they continue to prosecute uh, gays in Chechnya, but not as a, uh, in a massive way. And uh, I think it's not an achievement. It's not that we stopped and put the people who did all those crimes uh, and brought in, we didn't brought them to the justice. Now, we don't have even a criminal case that were open, although we have uh, finally uh, both Chechen and Russian gays who got under this campaign and became victims. They were publicly uh, uh, telling about this. They complained to Russian investigative committee. Uh, they told uh, what happened with them, who, who kidnapped them, who tortured them. They were ready to go to Chechnya and show the prison where they were uh, kept and the guys who were beating them severely uh, from Chechen police. But the Russian state refused to open a criminal case. Uh, so from one side, we don't have any achievements. In a, then that kind that you used to or can operate, but that from the other side, that we brought uh, world's attention to those secret prisons in Chechnya. Uh, we um, probably scared Chechen authorities, and they would never. Um, they would think to start or not to start another campaign like this. So I wanted to ask, I can see that in many ways your work is rewarding, but at the same time, I really admire you for carrying on because the situation in Chechnya is is so black in a way. So I would like to ask you, how do you manage to carry on? What are your sources of uh, inspiration? Uh well, I wouldn't be able to do this job. Well, I wouldn't start to do this job if I didn't got to know Gazeta and met Anna Politkovskaya uh, and then Natasha Istimirova. I wouldn't start this. Uh, I wasn't planning to to cover Chechnya. I'm very. I mean, I'm very much about the investigative journalism, but mm, not really good uh, with the data journalism. But uh, with the classical investigation, when you go to the place, talk to people, look at the documents. I love documents. I love criminal cases, and I just like to read them. And I know how to read and get the information from this. And when I actually write the stories, uh, no matter Chechnya or any other stories, uh, every word is confirmed by the documents, not even the words of witnesses, but the documents. I'm very crazy about this. Uh, I know how to look and search them, and I know how to work with them. So I, I, I'm kind of an analytical journalist, but put it on the ground. Uh, 
so I'm a reporter from one side and from the other side uh, I love I love analytical uh, work and uh, I I love to put the connections between facts and show uh, how this fact is influenced on this and how it influence on your life so uh, I'm not news journalist because news is just today something happened you write and forget about this I come later and I began to uh, uh, search why this fact happens what was the reasons what's the main thing about it why we should care about it why we should understand what actually happened because from the facts that happens all the time you sometimes can understand the meaning of them and I love to bring audi audience the readers to the beginning and to what what happened actually that's that's why I I usually write about the story uh, not as a journalist who come see understand write and forgot about this I write the story for years. I write uh, uh, and investigate the death of summer in Kursk for 10 years. Uh, and I finish only when I was absolutely sure and confident what happened from the beginning to the end with the submarine at the sailors. I was investigating and still investigating uh, the, the, uh, the terrorist attack on Bistan school that happened in 2004 and actually writing a huge story to the next anniversary uh, on, a, uh, on a documentation for the criminal case which is still continue and the, the people uh, never have access to it because it's secret, actually. It's not secret officially, but it kept secretly from the people of Russia. And I think people of Russia deserve to know what the investigators actually found and what they were trying to hide. Uh, and that's why I continue to work in Chechnya, like this is a big story that uh, is happening all the time, and I put all those facts together trying to understand Russian people that Chechnya, well, first of all, it's part of Russia. Second, it's the main part of Russia because all the negative practices that we have now facing all over the Russia started and were uh, um, trained in Chechnya first. Mm -hmm. They took place there, and then they were spreading all over the Russia. And of course, uh, uh, it's kind of um, a war where nobody shoots. Well, almost not. <laughs> nobody almost not shoot. Sometimes they shoot. Sometimes they shoot in journalists. Uh, but it's 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 kind of not war, but war. Very, uh, uh, it's very hard to get an access uh, and start uh, to work as a journalist uh, without um, having this trust. And though this trust of people when they rely on you uh, and the experience that I actually gained uh, working there for years, so I can uh, 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 make any case uh, public without harming uh, the sources and without h harming the, the victims, actually. I would like to return uh, to your method of continuing to write one story about uh, Chechnya, because, of course, that means that you have uh, a very broad uh, picture. And I would like you to 
um, speculate a bit <laughs> about what you see ahead in, in Chechnya based on all the knowledge you have? What do you think will happen in the next few years in Chechnya? Well, uh, I can talk only like an expert. Uh, so, but I, I am really an expert on this region, uh, uh, and much easier to 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 talk on this than to answer the questions. What will happen after Putin will go away with Russia? I'm not expert on this, but. I can see that right now we're having several uh, potential conflicts. Uh, the first one is the civil war conflict inside Chechnya, where the people, uh, part of Chechen people, Chechen police, the people who work uh, for Kadyrov, are um, involved in the uh, gross human rights violations against their neighbors, sometimes even relatives, sometimes uh, people who knows where they live. So one part of Chechnya uh, com now suppressed uh, is, is, is producing human rights violation to another part of Chechnya. And this part who is now victims of this, they will remember everything because it's traditional society and uh, blood revenge is their tradition. And uh, uh, when this uh, authorities, Kadyrov, who supported not by local, not by local Chechen police or other uh, military groups inside Chechnya, but mostly supported by Russian army and Russian secret services, uh, would be gone. These two parts will be in a huge and gross conflict with each other. And this is the first thing. The other thing is that, like I said, we still didn't have uh, uh, a conversation about the results of Chechen wars, about the crimes that we were committed there on both sides. Uh, the results of this war, the lessons of this war, uh, wars. Uh, and between the Chechens and Russians, there is a wall. And this is a potential conflict. But the, this conflict will, where Chechnya uh, uh, might be a main player, but the other Caucasian regions will follow Chechnya. So it would be a, a conflict between Caucasus and Russia. And we potentially might lose this territory because, in fact, uh, a lot of Russian people, not locals, moving away from this region. And uh, technically, uh, 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 it's not the territory where non-Chechens or non-Ngush or uh, non-Dagestanian, non-Caucasian person can live comfortably. So it's... Uh, potentially very uh, the situation that can lead that the Russia will be changing geographically territorially uh, so and the Caucasus will be playing a main role in this and the Manda Caucasus regions the Chechnya also a main player so I so how do you see your own work in this future scenario? I don't know. 
I will be old enough to, I mean, I will be, I, I, I'm 44. And uh, I think uh, those negative uh, prognosis wouldn't happen only if Putin, because he is the only one who has the power and ability to change this prognosis, this future, um, by putting away Kadyrov and replacing him by another Chechen person. And they have some candidates, but they have to broke this model where they treat Chechens as non-citizens. Uh, they treat Chechens uh, as uh, betrayers who wanted to get away from Russia and make their own state. Mm. You have to broke. They have to broke. He has to broke this model and create another model that actually uh, would. Um, soften uh, those consequences of Kadyrov's uh, ruling because Kadyrov is the, the, the one of the main dangers for Russian future. Um, I don't know if Putin able of doing this, but he's the only one. So if it didn't happen and uh, he is gone and uh, Kadyrov also gone immediately after that uh, because he's not supported by um, Chechens at all, there would be a mess on the Caucasus. And uh, I think I will be 55. <laughs> More <laughs> or close to sixty back then, so I just don't know if I live that long. I am very scary about the future. By the way, it's uh, uh, not a joke anymore. I mean, I am very scary because all the changes that would ha will happen in Russia after this regime will be gone, and another regime will be created. I will be old enough, uh, and it's, it scares me a lot to to be an old person in the Russia where Russia is changing tremendously. Mm. Do you have anybody working with you? Is there a new generation, so to speak, of brave journalists, which you can see and which you work together with? I was thinking particularly of uh, journalists who understand this, uh, the situation of, of Chechnya in, in, uh, in Russia and who has this kind of vision of uh, a reconciliation process which is necessary to, to move forward. Oh, you know, um, the, the, um, this, the, the thing is that Chechnya is very um, popular subject to write about. And everybody wants to write about Chechnya. Nobody, I mean, few can because it's hard uh, to get sources and information and confirm this information mm -hmm. not to harm the sources. But a lot of people want and they come to Chechnya and uh, they mention Chechnya and they mention and, and, and they treat Chechnya in the way I actually was... Um, constructing this for many years when they did I mean for example when we uh, published this uh, the first article on uh, uh, company against gay I had confirmation from my sources but it wasn't a document it wasn't even the victims uh, signed uh, complaints yeah uh, evidence uh, so 
it was a word of me, my word against Kadyrov's word. And the world believes to me, not to Kadyrov, because of the reputation and because uh, I, uh, um, uh, in my newspaper, was writing about human rights violations for years and uh, we never lose a case and we always were telling the facts and the truth to, to the audience, to the world. So uh, those people uh, take as a granted that Kadyrov is abuser and he is aggressive uh, Putin's man who put in charge of Chechnya to suppress the Chechen people. And this influence to, to I mean, this a lot of young and new journalists who comes to Chechnya and writing about Chechnya, mentioning Chechnya, their articles, they uh, stand on this. Uh, uh, but to work in Chechnya, um, like I do, a uh, few people actually can because it takes a lot and you have to put a life on it. And the modern journalism doesn't work this way. Uh, but uh, I'm very thankful to everyone who actually wants to do uh, something about Chechnya or in Chechnya because uh, it's very important to talk loudly and publicly and a lot about this region where it looks like you can't change anything because <laughs> I'm trying for many years. <laughs> and Anna Politkovska tried, Natasha Estimirova, and Memorial, and Committee Against Torture, and who else not. And mm. the situation is still there, but uh, only publicity and only attention. Uh, uh, it's what can play a role in the concrete person's lives and mm. still change things a little bit. Can you tell us uh, how has um, working at Nova Gazeta and under the editorship of Muratov, how has it enabled your uh, work and your mission, so to speak? Well, Is there a particular the culture, do you think, in your newspaper? No, Muratov would be happy if I stopped working in Chechnya. And he, we were arguing so many times when he was demanding from me to stop writing about Chechnya because it's not safe and he doesn't want to lose another one journalist from his newspaper. And I was telling him that we have to continue because we can betray the people in Chechnya and their trust. And if we stop, it would be crucial on newspaper because it's our main story to write about and blah, 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 and so on. <laughs> and we were still arguing about this. And he hates my stories on Chechnya, but he published them. So you wouldn't say that your work is, is part, that your work is part of uh, a particular culture? Because that would be my observation uh, of Nova Gazeta over a long period of time, that they have a particular journalistic ethos, so to speak, uh, which I would have imagined uh, was something that you could at least find support in, in your work. No, I mean, my newspaper is the only place where 
uh, I can spend so much time on uh, developing a story and making, I mean, and working in this region for years and writing for years. Uh, Chechnya is the main story of Nova Gazeta. It's a story on which Nova Gazeta is built. And I was not the first one who was started this story. The Muratov and uh, people who created Nova Gazeta started it when the Chechen war, the first Chechen war actually started in Russia. They all gone through this war. They went there, they were writing there, they were reporting there, they were saving people, uh, the hostages, uh, then there was a second war, and again, a lot of people went there, and Anna Politkovskaya became the main of uh, our journalists who were writing on human rights violations uh, in Chechnya. Then I appeared. I mean, then I actually started to do this. I wasn't... The it, it, no, it, so it, you're it, working in a tradition. Absolutely, yeah. it's a tradition. Yeah. But Muratov himself, he is so... He is afraid because he... He, he lived through so many deaths of of his colleagues, his journalists. So he just hates the thought that that might happen to another one journalist of Nova Gazeta. That's why he. But he is totally supportive. He just his attitude of a person who doesn't want to to get to the situation one more time. Uh, but uh, without this tradition, I wouldn't be able to do what I do now in Chechnya. And without this newspaper, I mean, only because I have this place and I'm completely safe. Any threat, uh, Muratov steps ahead and protect. Maybe a final question on uh, the future of independent journalism Um not only in Chechnya, but in, in Russia in general. Because uh, the past year, I think, has been particularly tough uh, for independent media in, in Russia with many outlets, for example, uh, Caucasian Knot, which you mentioned really being liquidated and, and we're wondering whether they will actually survive uh, so, so what do you think? Where, wh where will it go from here? What are the, um, what is the potential for uh, getting support and uh, coming out on the other side of this d difficult situation? Well, like you said, for the last year, actually for the last of half of a year since July, we got one hundred and three journalists and journalistic outlets on the list of uh, foreign agents, which means actually in Russia uh, enemies of a state, uh, because we all have memories for Stalin's times. Um, now they are up to uh, close the oldest Russian human rights organization memorial, which was founded by uh, Sakharov also, not on just him, but uh, he played a big role, and uh, I can remember uh, remind that uh, this year is 100 years since Aharov was born, and this uh, fact uh, um, didn't stop Russian government of uh, being so harsh on memorial. 
and uh, next year I think they will continue to destroy all the lefts of over this, that we have from civil society. Uh, for example, independent lawyers, uh, they are on the they will be on the as the targets main targets probably next year. And if you ask me what uh, kind of uh, a plan and do we have any and what kind of forms of uh, independent journalism that will be in Russia, I would answer you, we don't have any. But <clears throat> if it's the end, no. Uh, the journalism or in um, more wide uh, and uh, spreading the information that the government and people from the government want to hide, you can't stop this. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that the Russian journalist will find out the ways how to continue investigative journalism, first of all, uh, and uh, bring their stories to the audience. Because, uh, mm, like I said, it, it's not possible to stop. And uh, uh, Putin at power is for more than 20 years already. And he still, um, he is a very light version of Stalin, but with the support of Russian society, part of Russian society, conservative old uh, people uh, who he could practice more Stalin's practices in in Russia. He could be more like Stalin, but he didn't uh, use this chance. Uh, so I think it's the way how they're trying to put it down. It's a very tricky way and very harmful way because they use the law. They create unlawful laws in Russia and make criminals Russian citizens that did nothing criminal. And in the perspective, it's uh, it's a very dangerous thing for Russia as a state because what they do, they 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 they, they just uh, killing the trust in state uh, among Russians. But still, I think uh, they're not ready to put millions in the camps. And from this, <laughs> uh, like, um, we have in our history, the, 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 the worst parts of our um, history, it was like uh, Stalin camps that millions of people died. Putin is not able to repeat this and never will be. So it was the worst moments of our history. We now live in less, less worst <laughs> times. And I think we just have to, to think of other forms of how to, to continue uh, the work. And if we not be able to do this, another young people will do because... Uh, the young generation it is something that Putin doesn't, uh, Putin or people of his generation doesn't know how to deal with and how to put pressure on. Uh, they just don't understand. It's just 
the, the, the looks like it's the other planet for them. Uh, and those people are very sensitive to the work I do, for example, to the human rights issues, uh, to many things that my generation, uh, it, they, those things were not popular when I was working in Chechnya for Many years, nobody actually noticed and nobody actually pays attention on this work because nobody cared uh, 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 until like uh, certain moments. And only recently, Chechnya became a topic that everybody is concerned about. Uh, my generation thought uh, uh, that uh, human rights issues, tortures, it's something that uh, um, not interesting and uh, not important. But these young people, they understand it very well, that it's important. Uh, and uh, they're very creative. And uh, I think we're just going through a tough time, but we need uh, to think how to continue the work. It's not the end, definitely. And uh, we will work something else. Then we will have again pressure uh, from the government. Then we will work something else. And this is the very uh, tough and uh, slow way to big changes uh, for the society in general. Because if to look at the beginning, all those uh, camps where millions of people died and to see the society today we in few years actually made a tremendous way and changed a lot so the, the our main task is just to make everything that the comeback to those hard times and scary times would not be possible at all and mm -hmm. I think my generation, the generation of my editor-in-chief, Muratov, who is receiving the Nobel Prize, we managed to do this. Mm. Thank you, Yelena Milashina, and thank you so much for the work that you have been doing. So you have been listening to an episode of the Nupi podcast, and the episode was made in collaboration with the Norwegian-Russian network, Rusnet. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>